Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. It is so important for us to understand that we, as God's people, are looking forward not just to the glory in our own lives today, right now, but to a magnificent future glory that the Lord has for us. In other words, we're always getting better in that sense. Every moment of your life as a believer is pointing towards a future hope wherein you will literally share in the glory of the Lord. And so in the midst of a time like we've experienced this last year, in a year that's been difficult for most of us, unbelievably hard for many, Tragic for some, we have a future hope. And in fact, Titus, as the Apostle Paul wrote to him, heard this from the Apostle Paul in Titus chapter 2. Verse 13, looking for the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That every believer one day is going to see Jesus face to face. You're going to see Jesus. We have that expectant hope. Sometimes Christians get involved in thinking of the word hope in an unbiblical way. We kind of think of hope as like the world thinks hope. It's just like this kind of fluffy feeling that people have about something that might happen. Our hope is confident expectation of an absolute certain end. It's confident expectation. It's not wishful thinking. It's not that it might happen It will happen. It's not that one day we may see the glory of the Lord. One day we will see the glory of the Lord. It's not that we might possibly be one day like Jesus. One day we will fully be like Jesus. We won't be Jesus, but we are going to one day, the Bible plainly declares, be as he is. For me, that gives me hope for the future. Today may be a mess, but tomorrow always holds the promise of hope for the church. Always. Every moment of every day for a believer should be a moment of hope. Future hope. Would you join me and let's pray. And we're going to look at Romans 5 tonight. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you. God, for the hope that I have tonight, that not only will things one day be infinitely better, 
but they are better for me, for us as the church, day by day. We are being transformed into the image of the most glorious king, the king of heaven, the great I am. We're being sanctified and set apart for that purpose. We have hope in future glory. Or glory not like this world holds dear, but the literal glories of heaven. And so, Lord, encourage your church tonight. Build us up and strengthen us. Give us hope for tomorrow. Lord, as we wake up, would there be just a glimmer of a smile on our face because of who we are in Christ Jesus? And it's in his name we pray these things. Amen. Romans chapter 5 begins with a focus on Jesus, the same Jesus that's there in verse 13 of Titus 2. And in verse 2 of Romans 5, speaking of Jesus Christ, through whom, verse 2 says, we also have access by faith to this grace in which we stand. Man, have you been standing in anything other, the great, other than the grace of God the last nine or it's going to be probably 10 months, 12, who knows when we're actually going to get the other side of this pandemic. I think it's going to be sooner now rather than later. But if you've been standing in something, if you've been standing for something, if you've been waiting for something to happen, uh, if you've placed your faith and hope and trust in almost anything else, this has been a year of sore disappointment, has it not? It's been a rough year. But if you've been standing in Christ Jesus, and then you can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Do you see it there in verse 2? My rejoicing is not rejoicing in that the stock market's going to go back up. It's not that home prices will finally be affordable. It is not that somehow we're going to come to some political ends that are going to make everything perfect as we would want it. My hope as a believer is not actually anchored to anything that's on this earth. My hope is actually a very future hope in its greatest extent, and it is a present hope in that the hope that I have is in something that can't be moved. It can't be taken. It can't be tarnished. It will never be tawdry. My hope is in the glory of the Lord. That is an immovable hope. It's an everlasting hope. It is a hope for my future and the future of all of us and the future of all who believe. And not only that, verse 3 says of Romans 5, but we also, now here's something you're going you're gonna to see, Pastor Jeff, why did you choose to read that tonight? We also glory in tribulations. In other words, what we've been going through collectively is a source of rejoicing if we view it properly. If we understand it from God's position. Now, why is that true? 
Because in God's economy, those tribulations that we go through always have a purpose. Always. God doesn't allow his kids to go through stuff just to watch us squeal and squirm. To scream and yell. To endure pain. He does not ever allow that. But he does allow tribulations for a purpose. And here's how we know this. That we might glory or rejoice in them. Same word, glory and rejoice. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. The ability to carry on in the face of great adversity for a purpose. That's what perseverance is. If it doesn't have a purpose, then it's just suffering. But if it has a purpose, it has a reason, it has a desired end, then our tribulations are perseverance. That's what it produces. And perseverance does something additionally to us. And I want you to see this. You see, the tribulations produce in us perseverance. And the perseverance, you could say, produces in us character. And character, here it is, hope. I have hope, a strong, confident expectation of an absolutely certain end. I have hope. You see, those afflictions produce the ability to suffer long. That suffering long alters my character. My altered character is the thing that produces the hope. And now notice what that hope is. Now hope does not ever disappoint. Now follow this. That means that your tribulations don't ever disappoint. Because it is the tribulations that produce everything else. It's the trials that we go through. It's the difficulties that we experience that actually enable us to have the greatest measure of hope. Isn't that crazy? In other words, church, could it be that the Lord is actually trying to grow our hope right now? He's trying to grow our hope. But he's not trying to grow our hope in politics. He's not trying to grow our hope in a renewed economy. He's not trying to restore our hope in a check for $600 versus $2,000. He's not trying to grow our hope in in that your house is going to increase in value. He's not trying to grow our hope that things tomorrow are going to be appreciably better on the face of the earth. He is growing our hope because the Bible says that hope is a future hope of the glories of heaven. Our tribulations are growing our hope tonight. The things we're going through, and here's why, because everything I just mentioned may not actually happen. Now, I promise you, I have no inside track. I don't believe it's going to get worse. I would like to believe it's going to get better. But even if it doesn't get better, our hope still grows. Because it's the hope of a glorious future. 
It's the hope of heaven. It's the hope of heaven, church. That hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given that to us. In other words, my hope is an eternal hope. That's the picture the Apostle Paul writes for us as we look at this passage. In other words, the marvelous end of everything we go through on this earth, good, bad, but certainly the difficult things, ultimately is that we one day are just like Jesus. Now, we've learned a few things this year, haven't we? Anybody learned that you have to be a little more patient while you're here on earth? Anybody, you know, I, I watched, we were joking, we had a little meeting yesterday and we were talking about, you know, well, what do we tell the people? How do we get them to, you know, take care of each other and all those kind of things? And I said, well, we're all used to walking in the street now. Nobody walks in the street in L.A. But somebody comes and you're on the sidewalk, it's like, somebody's got to go, I'm going in the street. We've learned a few things. We've learned how to prefer our neighbors. We've learned how to watch out after each other. We've learned how to stretch some dollars, some of us. We've learned how to do with less, haven't we? We've learned how to care about other people more than we care about ourselves. We've learned that you won't die from wearing a mask. We've learned a lot of things that we would not have otherwise learned. You see, the end of all of this work is we grow, we mature, we get better. And God can do yet more new things in our lives because notice the focus here on the progress that's being made. These things add one to another. I I need better character. These things that we're going through produces better character and ultimately greater hope. And so as we go through the things that we're going through right now, If you look at how the Apostle Paul kind of frames this in the book of Romans in its totality, he writes in chapter 8, he says, Whom God foreknew, that's us, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, that's us. And whom he predestined, these he also called, and those he called, he justifies, and those he justifies, these he also glorified. Again, you see the progress. He saves us. He calls us. He works in our life, sanctifying us. He justifies us. He pays the price for our sins, takes care of his wrath by his own son's blood. You see, God the Father does these things with the expected end being one day. You look at the face of Jesus. And you hear those words, well done, enter in to my kingdom of rest, good and faithful servant. I don't know about you. You're not going to get that if you go to Costco. You're not going to walk into Costco and, you know, because there's, I don't know if you guys are like this. When I go to Costco, I'm the consummate non-Costco person. So I am not attracted in the slightest by all the little displays that are there. I have exactly what I want mapped out in my head. 
And someone could be handing out $100 bills for 10 bucks, and I will walk right past them. Because I I assume someone's trying to sell me something when I go in. So I'm that person that no matter what's going on, I just, I'm going to go because they've got the good dog food and it's 35 bucks instead of 50. And it's a 48 pound bag. That's me. But you see, I got there by a process. I wasn't always like that. I used to go buy every one of those little stands where they're giving out the little meat pieces on a stick. And it's like, oh, that one's good. Honey, have you tried this? They've got this granola over here. It's made out of gold. And you go around, you see, it was a process. I had to kind of learn. It's like, they're trying to trap me. The world is trying to trap you. The world wants you to get distracted by taking little bits and bites and pieces of everything it has to offer, hoping that you'll bite onto something you really like in your flesh and you'll miss the expected in. You see, my expected in is that sack of dog food. I'm not comparing Jesus to dog food, so get that out of your head. But for purpose of illustration, I am saying, as a believer, you have to have expectant hope. This is what I am doing. This is where I am going. I'm not going to be distracted by the things of this world. And if you have that, then you can have the hope of getting what is the expected end. But if you don't, oh boy, can we get sidetracked from time to time. You see, as a believer, your hope is anchored in the past. It's what Jesus did on Calvary's cross, amen? You don't know that. This is, this is some one-on-one theology for you. You were saved because Jesus Christ took your sins upon him on the cross. He died in your place. Substitutionary death is what happened. So in the past, Jesus made possible for you to be made right with God by paying the price for your sin. You were justified. But in the present, your salvation is also anchored in the present in heaven. Because him he justified, ultimately he's also going to glorify. And so in order to do that, in our daily living, he sanctifies us. He washes us, makes us a little more like Jesus. This is a process. So our hope is ongoing. You see, I used to just be saved as a way to look at it. There was a day when you were just saved. Amen? Everybody say amen because it's true. There was a day when you said yes to Jesus. That was the beginning of the journey. And since that day, you've been on a journey of sanctification where you've been growing in Christ-likeness called sanctification. That's been happening the whole time. But you're not at the end of the journey yet. So your hope is anchored in the past because you were saved. Your, ha- your hope is also in the present because you're being sanctified. But your hope is also in the future because one day you're going to be glorified. You see, the end of sanctification ultimately is glorification. Now, why am I telling you this? Because you need to have your theology correct to understand exactly why it's so important that you hope in the future. 
Because in the present, you're still a work in progress, and so am I. And so is every other believer. But in the future, we're going to be finished one day. God's going to actually be done. There's going to be a day when you look in the face of Jesus and it's like, I am no longer a sinner. I've been glorified fully in heaven. I can't wait for that day. So it makes the journey easier because there is an expected end. My hope is in my future glorification. There's a reason for my tribulation. There's a reason for the junk we're going through right now. You see, as Peter said there in 1 Peter, my faith and my hope are in God. My faith and my hope's not in me. It's not in the stuff that's going on in our world right now. I've watched so many news conferences in the last nine months that involve somebody who claims to be an expert about something only to find out the following day they were no longer the expert. Anybody followed that track with me? It's like, didn't you say something different yesterday? Now, again, I'm actually not picking on anybody. This has been a terrible, terrible thing we've been going through. But have you noticed that things kind of change on a daily basis, sometimes minute by minute, hour by hour? Can I tell you in heaven that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he changes not? He's not saying, oh, man, I don't know what to do about coronavirus. Ah! You know, what about the Moderna vaccine? It's not getting there fast. No, God's not doing that. He knows exactly what we're going through. And he has a plan. That's why my hope is in my future glorification. I can't wait for that to happen. But in the meantime, it makes the journey interesting for me. Even in the tribulations. It's like, Lord, how are you going to work this out? This is nuts. This is crazy. Now, I want to tell you, I, I'm not always, just like I'm sure many of you, sitting there going, wow, praise the Lord, um, somebody just died. Now, if that's you, we need to talk. That's not what this is about. It, is, it isn't that you have a big smile on your face because somebody got COVID and died. You have a smile on your face because you know that God still has this under control, even if that happens. You see, that's a very different kind of hope. If I'm just hoping that someone doesn't die, I'm probably going to live a long time in great regret and painful remorse because that's surely going to happen. But if I'm hoping that in Christ, guess what? You will never die. You see the difference? You understand the difference, church? In Christ, you will never die. Even if you die on this earth, you're going to be with Jesus. You see, that's a future hope. That's not a hope I'm never going to get cancer. That's a hope if I get cancer, I'm still going to heaven. It's a future hope. And we need to cling to that hope during these times. Matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 3 said that we can actually boast in it all the way to the end. 
Not church. That's where we need to pick up the story. That's what needs to happen in our lives. I need to be boasting about who I really am. And so as we say goodbye to 2020, which has been difficult, and hello to 2021, which we all pray is going to increasingly get better. Because I I have a suspicion the month of January is going to be a little bit more difficult than anything that we've actually experienced thus far, as far as this dreaded virus. I think it may get a little tougher. But that's not the end. It's not the end. It's not even close to the end. You, You see, the end is when I finally make it to heaven. It's producing an eternal weight of glory, as the Apostle Paul said, writing to the church at Corinth. This momentary light affliction. Now you're saying, well, there's nothing light about this for me, Jeff. I completely agree with you. I'm sure it's not. But relative to heaven, it is momentary and it is light. Because one day it's going to all get erased. You ever notice, isn't it weird that in our culture, a vast majority of people work all year long so they can enjoy one week out of the year? That's the weirdest thing. Think about it. We save and we save and we scrimp and we save and we, you know, we book that. We, we get a cruise and you get it on sale. And then you find out that you are down near the engines of the ship. <laughs> that actually fish are above you. But you save and you save and you save and you build up all these expectations. And then you go for one week and you get the flu. You get seasick. And you spent all this time and effort, you wasted a whole year thinking about, we're finally going to go on vacation. Well, for believers, it's exactly the opposite. We actually spend a vast majority of our eternity on a heavenly vacation. That's why our hope is in the future. You see, right now is this little tiny window called life. 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, maybe. But relative to all eternity, a blip on the radar screen. It's just like, bing, there it was, it's my life. And then eternity. So my hope is reversed from the world's hope. The world's hope is like, man, I hope this vacation is great for a week. I hope I get a raise. I hope we can find the right house. I hope, you see, there's no expected end in that. There's none. But my hope in heaven is very expectant. I'm like, Lord, it's going to be glorious forever. Not for five minutes or ten minutes. For a week or two weeks, or if you're really fortunate, you're one of those people, you live in Europe. In Germany, they have this thing called the Ganses Urlaub. It's the, it's the month of August, basically. It's the whole month, this vacation month. You guys are all thinking, yeah, the Germans got something right. <laughs> Austria does it too. Everybody goes away. 
It's like, oh, that'd be so awesome. You still got to come back. Still got to paint your house. Still got to go back to work. Still got to pay taxes. Now we get to heaven. And there certainly won't be any death. There won't be any dying. There won't be any suffering. There won't be any tears. There won't be any sorrow. There will be nothing but joy in the presence of the Lord. Amen? That's why our hope is future. My real hope is future. And I'm getting closer to that future hope every day I'm alive. Even if today's terrible, I'm one day closer to the future hope that I have in Jesus. I love this. That's why Paul would write to the church at Thessalonica in chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. None of us should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we were appointed to this. That's why Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But know this, I've overcome the world. And he went on to tell us the comparative point that Jesus makes. He said, I go away. But if I go away, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might be also. And know this, I'm coming to receive you again unto myself. And in my Father's house are many mansions. And there's one just for you. It's a future hope. And it makes today a whole lot more tolerable. You see, here's where this relates to your vacation. You know those last couple of weeks before you're about to go on vacation? Stuff blows up at work. What happens? You don't care. You all of a sudden have short timer's disease. You're like, well, the company's going broke. I don't care. I'm going on vacation tomorrow. That's the kind of attitude, effectively, without all the negativity. Do your jobs well. But as a believer, that's kind of where we are. We're in like the last couple of weeks before a permanent vacation in heaven. And so our hope is in the future. It's like, I'm going to be leaving tomorrow. That's how we should be thinking. That's, just, that's what should happen in our lives. It's like, I'm not going to be around a whole lot longer. I have a future hope. And I, I can't wait. Sometimes I get dreaming about heaven. And it's not like a suicidal ideation or anything like that. But it's like, Lord, you know, I don't know if it would be all that bad to have a heart attack right now. I'm just kidding. Those are so stoic. You understand what I'm saying? It's like I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I have a future hope. So my maturity while I'm here is making me more ready for the hope of heaven. The things that I go through are preparing me for a permanent hiatus from all that is evil, from everything that hurts, all the inequities and the pains that you've suffered in this life, one day are going to be over. 
That's why when people sometimes will say, well, you know, I don't really want to become a Christian right now. And I'll ask them why. Well, I want to do this and this and this, and I want to buy this house and do this, and I want to go to this party. And they give me all the reasons why they want to stay here. And I kind of look at them like, really? Seriously? And I'll usually say something like, do you have anything that you don't like? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. I said, so would you like to keep those things? They'll usually go, well, no. no. Well, in heaven, you don't have to keep any of those things. So do you want to stay here with those things or you want to go there without those things? Which choice do you want to make? My hope is a future hope. And it has tremendous power in my life. Now, for sake of time, we won't read the whole thing, but I would encourage you to read the entire 102nd Psalm when you get home. Now, we don't know who wrote this psalm, but it is a psalm of hope. And the question that is formulated in the beginning, it begins, hear my prayer, O Lord, let my cry come to you and don't hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. That's verse 1. So it might be a really good psalm for you to read. Lord, please. Man, if ever I needed to see your face, I need to see your face today, tonight, right now. Incline your ear. In the day that I call to me, answer speedily. And the 27th Psalm, the 143rd Psalm, say much the same thing. But the point is this. Is God listening? Does God hear us? You better believe he does. And he is attentive to the prayers of his kids. He knows what you're going through. He knows where it hurts. He knows why it hurts. You know, moms are gifted. They have an organ. It's called the boo-boo organ. And they know exactly what to do when kids get hurt. Us guys, we're like, you know, we, we, I run, I get the medical kit, and I'm about to perform surgery in our backyard. Connie goes and simply kisses it, and they're perfectly well. That's kind of like God. God knows he can just kiss it and make it better. We have to work at it to make it tolerable. One day, you're not going to have to work at it anymore. He's going to fix everything permanently. But in those moments, we're kind of prone, like the writer of this psalm, to focus on what's unfair and what's unjust and how ungodly the world is. And ultimately, how untrue things can be at times. But the answer to all of that, because our human propensity is we want solutions today. I want God to fix all my problems right now. And it's okay if if that's you tonight. That's where you are. You want God to fix all your problems right now. Look, I'm with you. I prefer to have no problems. I prefer to experience no pain. There's no shame in admitting that you don't like hurting. But the fact of the matter is we do hurt while we're here. We do have pain. 
But as we've already seen, there's a purpose to our pain. There's a reason for everything. There is a purpose for everything under heaven. Solomon, as he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 3 is turned into a hit song by the birds to everything. There is a purpose under heaven to every season. They, they turn. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, and sometimes it's in between. But from God's perspective, because my hope is anchored in the future, it's anchored in heaven because it cannot be moved by circumstances here on earth. Because as bad as it gets here on earth, it is still unchanged in heaven. I hear what I just said. As bad as it gets here on earth, it's still unchanged in heaven. God's not moving the goalposts like we see kind of with this, you know, oh, we're going to be locked down for, you remember this? Anybody remember this, time, this day? We're going to be locked down for three weeks. They kind of missed that by a little bit. The goalposts move. Nine months later, it's worse than it's ever been. You see, the world's goalposts move. God's goalposts are fixed in heaven. They are immovable. You're not going to wake up one day and go, huh, can't reach that one. For those of us that are football fans, you know, we're, we're always, we're, we're okay when, when the place kicker has to kick a 35 to 42 yard field goal. We're, go, we're like, yeah, that's probably going to, that's almost a sure thing for most of them. 50 yards, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, that's probably so. 52, eh, 57, not happening for most people. 65, forget it, NFL record, not happening. I think for a lot of people, we feel like the goalposts got moved back to like 157 yards. It's like it's just never going to be okay. But it is. Because in heaven, the goalposts are right where they've always been. Because they're anchored to Jesus. They're purposed by a God who loves us. And they are never going to change, church. He is the source of this hope. He's the one who makes this hope possible. He himself is our hope, Scripture says. Without him we have no hope, Scripture says. For with God nothing is impossible. Amen? Luke chapter 1 declares that plainly. Philippians chapter 4, you all know it. Through Christ I can do how many things? All things through Christ who strengthens me, including getting through a pandemic. Making it home to heaven. Finishing the process of sanctification and maturation to make it to glorification. We'll get there. And we can rejoice while we're doing it. Because these things are only for a time. They're not permanent. You see, as you think 
on the hope of the future this way. It prevents you from becoming too locked in on today. You see, when I become hyper-focused on the things of today, I get weirded out pretty quickly. Now, if you're one of those people like me, I am pretty linear in my thinking. And let me describe that for you. I think in very simple equations, each thing is a component part. You must solve A to get to B. You must solve B to get to C, so on and so forth, till you get to the end. And if you get all the parts right and each one correct, you make it to the end. But that's actually not how your life in Christ works. There's B subpart A hyphen 1.2. There's all kinds of little subtleties. And so what works in your equation may not work in mine, and what works in mine may not work in yours, and the trial you go through, I may not have to go through. I may have to go through three of the things you went through once, and you might have to go through ten of the things I went through twice. But here's the crazy thing. The goalposts never move, and the answer to your life's equation and the answer to my life's equation, in spite of all of the component parts of the equation, are exactly the same. One day I'll be like him. You see, the equal sign always points at Jesus. But everything on the other side of it may look different for you than it does for me may look different for this church than it does for another church. But the glory remains the same. The promise remains the same. The end remains the same. Because it was purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And it's guaranteed in heaven. You see, so all this stuff that we're going through right now, it it may be those extra parts of the equation for us collectively. It's like, man, I, I never saw that. In higher mathematics, you start putting things in brackets and you systemize those things and put them together so that this part of the equation goes with this part of the equation. You get all kinds of stuff like that. And you look up on the, in, in the whole, remember we used to have chalkboards? Now it's like all digital. It's like you can put whatever you want on there. But I remember in my calculus class, my, my teacher used to write out these huge, long differential equations. And you're like, he's like, what? Goes, like, goes on for like a whole chalkboard's worth. Equals A, 2.3. I'm like, that's stupid. Why do you have to write all that stuff? Well, because you can't get to that without all of that. That's kind of the way our lives are. You can't get to the end without the equation. Some of our equations are very long, and some of our equations are fairly short. But they all equal Jesus. We're going to get there one day, church. Some of us are going to be sooner rather than later. Might be that the Lord 
gives us the end to the equation tonight collectively. Wouldn't that be a good way to start 2021? Amen? Lord just says, the equation's done. You're all coming home. But we don't know. But we do know that we have hope in the future. As you came in tonight, I I pray that all of you received the elements of communion. If you would take those out right now. If you haven't received them, if you would just simply put up your hand. I will send some ushers by down the rows to make sure we have some over here, some in the back over here, this corner that do not have communion elements, and I'll give the ushers a little bit of time to get to you. Um, so we'll bring some trays around and so you can get some communion elements. Uh, we want to make sure that everyone has them. The worship team's going to come back up, but I want to share with you the end. And these are the words of Jesus. Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, actually uttered a question. Of all the things he said on the cross, only one of the seven was a question. And that question was, Eloi, Eloi, Lama, Sabachthani. In English, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Perhaps the greatest why question in all of the Bible. It's the answer to our future hope. Why did God forsake his son? For me. For me. For you. For all who would call upon his name. We're about to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And what we're actually celebrating is the price that was paid to keep the goalpost fixed. To anchor our hope in heaven. You see, if it had always been that you need to figure out your own way of getting to God, figuring out your own path of salvation, somehow working out a way to pay your own debt, then this question that Jesus asks from the cross becomes completely meaningless. If it were left up to you, then there was no reason for Jesus to be crucified. But it wasn't left up to you. The price was paid by him. He shed his blood on Calvary's cross. He paid the price for your redemption. He bought you back from the wages of sin, which is death, and in its place gave you eternal life. He did that with his own precious blood. And so the question asked, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani? Did Jesus ask Father God 
one of the ways you can express the answer is, son, I want to anchor their hope in heaven. Your death will be sufficient to do that. Your blood will be enough for all who believe in you will have everlasting life. The goalpost can't be moved. Without that, we would be without hope still. Without what this celebration means. And you'll see there on the top of your cup, there are two tabs. One will expose the bread. The second one, the, the cup, the juice. As you open up the first one and pull out the bread, and I would ask you all to do that right now, just to prepare. This is the bread of hope. It's the bread of hope. When Jesus met with his disciples on the first evening, the night before he was put to death, he took the bread, and what he was really doing is saying, you know, the prophet Isaiah was right. He would be bruised for my iniquities the chastisement for my peace would be placed upon him the weight of the sins of the world would be heaped onto Jesus so that through what happened to him we would have a future hope of one day seeing heaven and so Jesus on the night that he was betrayed he took the bread himself And when he had broken it, he said, This is my body which is broken for you. As often as you do eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. But there's more to the story. Because there was a price on your head just as there was a price on mine and it was a price I couldn't pay I couldn't pay it there was not enough in my account to pay my own price You see, it wasn't enough that Jesus was beaten. It wasn't enough that he was nailed to the cross. It wasn't enough that he was simply punished in our place. Though he certainly was punished for me. He had to expend the only substance in the universe that was capable of actually erasing the debt of my sin. I needed to be justified. 
and the only justifying thing in the universe is the blood of the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It doesn't put it away like the Jewish people understood on the Day of Atonement. It takes it away so that Father God no longer views it. He sees it no longer. That blood was capable of finishing the transaction that allows those goalposts in heaven to remain, never to be taken or moved, eternal in the heavens. And so what Jesus said was after supper, he took the cup and when he himself had supped from it, he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant. You see, the old covenant only atoned. It put the sins away for one more year. It allowed people to be in a place with God that it, in essence, their debt was accruing, but he wasn't going to call it in. And in that very moment when Jesus said, Father, finished into thy hands I commit my spirit transactionally Jesus paid the debt for your future hope he said as often as you drink of this cup do so in remembrance of me Father, God, we're tired. And some of us tonight are hurting. Lord, some of us are dealing with hopelessness. Some of us don't know what we're going to do tomorrow. Some of us are worried about our health. Some of us are concerned about our earthly future. But Lord Jesus, our hope can't be moved because of what you did on Calvary's cross. Because our hope is anchored in heaven. The price that you paid was sufficient for all who will believe. It was enough for each of us. Lord, as we've committed our way to you and asked you and invited you to give our sin and to cleanse us. You've done that. And so we have an expectant hope of a determined end that one day you'll receive us into glory. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. And we want to start this new year of 2021 standing fast and standing firm gazing up into the firmament asking a simple question Lord today might it be the day 
And until that day, would you use us? And Lord, if we have to suffer a bit, if tribulations come our way, give us joy in the suffering. Ease our pain, Lord. We trust you. We look forward to that glorious hope of the appearing of our great God and King. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. And God's people all said together, Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.